And welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 77. Uh, let's pick it up in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. So we see that uh, Abijah has rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, and his son Asa became the king in his place. And so in verse 8, it says, Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah bearing large shields and spears and 280,000 from Benjamin bearing regular shields and drawing the bow. All these were valiant warriors. Then Zerah the Cushite came against them with an army of one million men and 300 chariots. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, Lord, is there no one besides you to help the mighty and those without strength? Help us, Lord our God, for we depend on you, and in your name we have come against the large army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal, a mere mortal hinder you. So the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and the whole people who were with him pursued them as far as Gera. The Cushites fell until they, uh, until they had no survivors, for they were crushed before the Lord and his army. And so here, here is a, um, example, another example again uh, of an event that already took place in the time of Kings, but it was not covered in detail in Kings. And so we see a little detail here in Second Chronicles with, uh, with regard to this um, event. I don't even know if this event was mentioned in Kings. I can't remember. And so... Um, and then in chapter 15, it goes over uh, some of the revival that took place um, under Asa that we already covered in Kings. Uh, and then in chapter 16, here's some more information in detail that was not covered in Kings. And so in verse 1 in chapter 16, it says, In the 36th year of Asa, Israel's king Basha went uh, to war against Judah. So Asa brought out the silver and gold from the treasures of the Lord's temple, and the royal palace, and he sent it to Aram's king Ben-Hadad, who lived in Damascus. And so we see that when he was coming against the Cushites, that Asa actually pleaded to the Lord for help and whatnot. But here, he's going just to pay off, pay off the king of Aram. He's not petitioning the Lord or anything. He's, he's just saying, look, there's a treaty between me and you, between my father and your father. I have sent you silver and gold. Leave us alone, basically, is what he was saying. And so he bribed him. He paid him off. And so if we drop down to verse 7, it says, At that time, Nasir uh, Hanani came to King Asa of Judah and said to him, Because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast army of many chariots and horsemen? When you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. And verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. Let me read that again. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. In other words, the Lord is looking for opportunity to show himself mighty before his people. And so he was saying essentially to Asa that you have denied me the opportunity to show people who I am. And so it says you have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. Asa was enraged with the seer and put him in prison because of his anger over this. And Asa mistreated some of the people at the time. And so Asa essentially shot the messenger. And so the seer or the prophet 
was coming to tell Asa the error of his ways. Asa didn't like what he heard, and so he put him in prison. How often do we do that when somebody is just giving us a message is not coming from them, yet we take our uh, anger out against them. And so, and all they're doing is delivering a message. And then it says, um, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a disease in his feet, and which we heard in Kings. And his disease became increasingly severe. Uh, yet even in his disease, he didn't seek the Lord, but only the physicians. Interesting. Asa has a disease. He didn't seek the Lord at all. All he did was go to the physicians. Hmm. Hmm. What should that tell us? Is modern medicine bad? Absolutely not. Is modern medicine good? Yes. Is modern, necess uh, modern med medicine necessary? Yes, in many cases. But medicine works... Well, first of all, God invented uh, everything between the heavens and the earth. And so therefore, medicine is an invention of the Lord. And so, but when we forget God and we put our faith in physicians in modern medicine, then we're essentially uh, treating modern medicine and physician as kind of pseudo-gods. And so what we have here is Asa just looking towards medicine and forgetting completely about the Lord. No, we got to make petition before the Lord, use physicians in modern medicine, but they are an instrument of the Lord. And so we don't worship the instrument, we worship the Lord of the instrument or the creator of the instrument. And so anyway, and then it says Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st uh, year of his reign. And so we move on to chapter 17. And it says, his son Jehoshaphat became king in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He, st he uh, stationed troops in the fortified cities of Judah. And so here's another little detail that was not mentioned in Kings. And so it says, um, Jehoshaphat strengthened himself against Israel. And so, <clears throat> you know, we're aware of all the foreign invaders of, of Israel and Judah and whatnot. And we're also aware of the many fights and battles between um, Israel and Judah, or Samaria and Judah. But here it says that uh, here's a king that strengthened himself against his brother. <laughs> he strengthened himself against um, Israel by stationing troops um, in every fortified city of Judah. In verse 7, it says, In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials, and so he, he sent some administrators and Levites and priests, um, to teach in the cities of Judah. In verse 9, they taught throughout Judah, having the book of the Lord's instruction with them. They went throughout the towns of Judah and taught the people. So again, here we have a, a detail that was not covered in Kings. Now we have to remember, again, what the purpose is or who the audience is of Chronicles. And so the audience of Chronicles are the Jews that are being repatriated. They're going from Babylon back to Judah. And so they basically don't know much of anything with regard to self-governance or anything like that. And so, <clears throat> so what we see here being written in, um, in chapter 17 of Second Chronicles is essentially a, a blueprint of how to do things. And so it says again, in verse 9, they taught throughout Judah, having the book of the Lord's instruction with them. They went throughout the towns of Judah and taught the people. And so the people that are reading this can see, oh, so the people have to be taught the ways of the Lord. 
Absolutely. And so that's what they were doing. They were going throughout the land to teach the people the ways of the Lord. And so we go on to chapter 18, and it says in verse 1, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and he made an alliance with Ahab through marriage. Again, another detail that was not covered in Kings. We didn't know that there was an alliance between uh, Israel and Judah, or Samaria and Judah, through marriage. And then it says in verse 2, Then after some years, um, he being Jehoshaphat, uh, went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, Ahab sacrificed many sheep, goats, and cattle, and cattle for him, uh, for the people who were with him. Then he persuaded him to uh, attack Ramoth Gilead, for Israel's king Ahab asked Judah, asked Judah's king Jehoshaphat, "Will you go to Ramoth Gilead with me?" He replied to him, "I am as you are, my people, uh, as your people. We will be with you in battle." But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, first, Please ask what the Lord's will is. Now, we recall in Kings that what happened subsequent to that is covered in Kings with regard to what um, King uh, Ahab did and uh, after Josephette's uh, request that they consult of the prophet of the Lord. And so, you know, jo- um, Ahab went to consult some some 400 prophets, but then Jehoshaphat said, well, isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? And he said, yeah, there is one, but he never says anything good about me. And, and then Jehoshaphat kind of scolds him, says, you shouldn't say that. Let's see what he says. And so, uh, and then we know what happens from there. He tells uh, Ahab what's going to happen. Ahab gets mad, puts him in jail. They go to war and Ahab gets killed, uh, which is exactly what the, the real prophet had told him. And so, but what we didn't know again was that there was this uh, relationship or this treaty between them through marriage, okay? And so uh, uh, that's a detail, again, that was not covered in Kings. And so we see why, because if you read through Kings, you're, you're wondering, okay, if Israel and Judah are in these skirmishes, why is Judah going to help Israel against uh, an enemy of them? That wasn't really clear in Kings, but here we see what the reason is is because through marriage, as was the custom of the day, there was a treaty. And so, I forget who got married, uh, Josephat's daughter married uh, Ahab's son, or vice versa, or something like that. Anyway, that's what the situation was there. And so, we go on to chapter 19, and it says um, in verse 1, King Jehoshaphat of Judah returned to his home in Jerusalem in peace. Then Jehu, son of the seer Hanani, or Hanani, went out to confront him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Do you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? That's an interesting question. He says, Do you help the wicked and love those who hate, who hate the Lord? Hmm. How many people are guilty of, you know, loving things that aren't of God, and yet kind of disdaining things that are of God. Do you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? That's a critical question for today. Do we help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, the Lord's wrath is on you. And so what the prophet was saying 
was that, look, you went out to help Ahab and you seem to love Ahab, but Ahab is wicked. Ahab has been wicked since death and you and since birth, and you went out there and helped him and whatnot. So, so the question was valid. You know, do you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? However, some good is found in you. This is what the prophet is telling Jehoshaphat. For you have eradicated the Asherah poles uh, from the land and have decided to seek God. And so he says, no, you're not, totally, you're not totally wicked and evil, but this is just a question for you to ponder, Jehoshaphat. This is something you have to confront yourself with. And in verse 4, Jehoshaphat um, lived in Jerusalem, and once again he went out among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord. So he went essentially out evangelizing for the Lord. He went out and brought the people back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. He appointed judges in all the fortified cities of the land of Judah, city by city. Then he said to the judges, uh, consider what you are doing, for you do not judge uh, for a mere mortal, but, uh, but for the Lord who is with you in the matter of judgment. And so he's essentially warning the judges, be men of integrity, be men of character, because you're not judging just for men, you're judging for the Lord. And so he's instilling a degree of the fear of God in them to make sure that they do right. And now may the terror of the Lord be on you. Watch what you do, for there is no injustice or partiality or taking bribes with the Lord our God. And so again, he's warning them, don't be scandalous, don't be... <laughs> Don't be living, don't be straddling the fence, okay? You are here to judge the people for the Lord. Be men of integrity, be men of honor, be men of character. Again, a pertinent word for those in authority today. So let's go on to chapter 20. And so we see in chapter 20, in verse 1, it says, uh, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Minuites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all Judah uh, who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. In verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood before the assembly of Judah uh, and, Jerusalem, and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before uh, the new courtyard. He said, so this is Jehoshaphat now standing before the temple, all the people of Judah uh, gathered, and he's praying before the Lord. Lord, God of our ancestors, you are not the God who is in heaven. And uh, let's see, let me start over. Lord, God of our ancestors, you are not the God who is in heaven, and do, not, uh, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and who gave it forever um, to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. In verse 10, now here are the Ammonites, uh, Moabites and, and inhabitants of Mount Sur. 
You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. And so this is Jehoshaphat in his distress before the Lord, spelling out the situation as if the Lord doesn't already know the situation, but making a plea on behalf of himself and his people, turning to the Lord. And then it says in verse 13, this is God's answer. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, and Jehaziel was a prophet. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah, you, uh, and, you, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged, or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but, uh, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up uh, the ascent of, of Zeis. You will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah. And Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. <clears throat> and it says in verse 18, Then Jehoshaphat knelt low, and then the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites, or the, the, the Kohathites and the Korites, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. And so after this uh, prophetic word was given uh, by Jehaziel, uh, uh, then the prophet, or excuse me, then the Levites stood up shouting. <clears throat> and then we go on and it says, uh, what is this? In verse 20, uh, believe in the Lord your God. This is Jehoshaphat talking. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people, uh, appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise, uh, praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. So they kept singing this refrain over and over. They're out before the army. They're going out. They're thinking they're going to fight. And so they have the singers and praisers going before the army uh, singing, give thanks to the Lord. His love, um, his faithful love endures forever. Then in verse 22, it says, the moment they begin their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Sur, who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and uh, Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Sur and completely annihilated them. Uh, when they had finished <clears throat> with the inhabitants of Sir, they um, helped destroy each other. In verse 24, then Judah came to the place uh, overlooking the wilderness, or when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for a large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods on the bodies <clears throat> and valuable items. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much. And so here we see how the Lord delivers, right? And so the people were afraid. They make a claim before the Lord. They plead to him. 
and uh, uh, declare that they will just look towards him for a resolution. The Lord says, don't worry, this fight isn't yours, this fight is mine. They gather their army, they go out and sing in praises, and they don't find any army. They just find corpses with a lot of loot on the bodies. They take the loot and they gather the loot for three days. And so instead of being defeated or instead of having to fight the way the Lord delivered, is he fought the battle for them and then he delivered onto them a reward. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Then it says in verse 30, then Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet for his God gave him rest on every side. And so they got the victory. They got a reward for a battle they did not fight. And then they got rewarded with rest. And then it says in verse 35, after this, Judah's king Jehoshaphat made an alliance with Israel's king Ahaziah, who was guilty of wrongdoing. And so again, we see this so the Lord delivers these tremendous victories, but then the Judah king goes back and makes another alliance with the king of Israel. And again, the audience is the repatriating Jews coming back from Babylon. And so I think this is a cautionary warning to them. Don't do this kind of stuff. And so they need to know their history so that they don't duplicate these mistakes in the future. And so then um, it says in verse 35, after this, um, yeah, he made, he made an alliance. And in verse 37, then Eleazar uh, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, because you formed an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken up uh, what you have made. So the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. And so um, there was this alliance and some ships were involved and whatnot. And so the Lord essentially canceled the treaty, destroyed the ships. And that was the end of that. And so with that, we have come to an end of today's episode, and we will pick up uh, episode 78 tomorrow. Bye-bye now.